Father, that we have the right and the privilege to live lives of divine health, free from sickness and disease and aches and pains, maladies, Father. And whatever epidemics and pandemics are in the earth, Father, we have the right and the freedom to be exempt from them. So, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that we can give honor and glory unto your name by living in divine health. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, I was thinking about uh, many of the stories that we read about uh, in healing, how after they were healed, they gave glory to God. And so, you know, one of the ways that we can give glory to God is just by living in divine health. Amen. Uh, and it gives God the glory because uh, the ways of the world is not to live that way. Amen. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, just, uh, um, I know just recently I was getting uh, my normal um, uh, eye appointment and, you know, the doctor commented about how, uh, you know, I'm, I'm healthy at my age, you know, and to him it was an odd situation, but it's not odd to me, you know, it's uh, uh, it's uh, you sometimes it's funny people think that when you follow the word that you're odd uh, and and really from the Lord's perspective everyone else is odd you know the people who follow the word are just kind of normal right from the Lord's perspective right now it's not normal according to the world normal means there's other people like you right but uh, from the Lord's perspective it's not odd at all amen uh, and so um, so we've been uh, studying uh, some of the different uh, uh, examples of healing that uh, in this part of Dr. Yeoman's book here, uh, she in this section we're looking at the man with a withered hand. We haven't quite a, haven't quite made it to the man with a withered hand yet, but I wanted to repeat the uh, verse in John chapter six that she started out in this section, just because I like the verse. Right? It's uh, it's just a really good verse. Uh, it's the kind of verse I think that you kind of have to meditate on and, and chew on for a while. Uh, but he said here in, in um, John chapter 6, um, it says, uh, they had asked him a question in verse 28. It says, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And so, you know, uh, he was talking about miracles in verse 26. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you'd eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Uh, and so uh, they, were, they had followed him, and they were following him because he fed them lunch. And, and he's like, look, you know, you're all following me. You know, uh, I did this, this one of the most spectacular miracles ever documented. And you know, you're back here not because I did the miracle, but because you're hungry again. And uh, and so he's trying to get them in the right path there. And then so they, they kind of change the subject because anytime, you know, you call somebody on the carpet, they're like, oh, well, it sure is cold outside, you know. And so instead of talking more about how they're following him for the wrong motives, uh, they say, well, how, what do we need to do to do the works of God? And of course, Jesus always manages to bring it back to the original problem is that they don't believe him. Right. And he said uh, an amazing statement in verse twenty nine, Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. So faith is the work of God. That's, that's our work, right? That's our employment with heaven is uh, to believe uh, on Jesus, to have faith, amen? Uh, and uh, the nice thing is that makes it really easy uh, because we don't have to do anything. You know, they, they were hoping that, 
what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Well, you know, go and give so much tithes to the priest, you know, go, you know, say so many prayers or go and, you know, uh, do this thing and do that thing. You know, they're looking for natural things to do, things that can be measured in the natural realm. And Jesus said, no, it's uh, the work of God is to believe. Amen. Uh, and that's really nothing's changed, has it? Not not uh, since the Lord created everything. Uh, the work of God in our lives is to believe. And that should be kind of obvious. But, uh, you know, it's uh, in the church as a whole. If you look at how many people actually are believing God actively for things, right? Not not well, Lord, if it's I will or Lord, if you want me to have it, you'll give it to me. There's no faith in that. That's just uh resting upon the sovereignty of God, but where they actively are believing God for something. Uh, that's uh, probably a pretty small percentage of people who actually, Lord, uh, this thing I, I have in my life, I'm going to believe you for it, and not only believe you for it, but once I believe you for it, uh, it'll come to pass, right? Because a lot of times, well, I'm believing God, you know, uh, I don't know if he's going to give it to me or not. Well, that's not really believing God, right? That's, that's making a request, you know, to, to somebody, and then uh, not knowing whether or not uh, the Lord's going to give you that's give it to you that's not really faith. So I thought that was an amazing statement. This is the work of God that you believe on Him, whom He has sent. Uh, and so, uh, what's what's our work? Believe. To believe as well, right? Uh, nothing's changed, right? Uh, and so that uh, we talked uh, quite a bit about uh, the scriptures there in John chapter two or James chapter two, and they contrasted that with uh, what Paul said about the similar topic in Romans chapter four. Uh, and then she, then she's still giving some other examples. She's talked talked about uh, Isaac, and and how that uh, you know Isaac. You know, I, of course, Abraham then Isaac, right? So Isaac was was Abraham's first son or second son, first son of promise, but uh, uh, the second son that he had, and uh, you know the the promise to uh, Abraham was that he would be the father of many nations, and he had one son of of promise. You know, that's like he's really starting out slow, isn't he, right? Uh, and it took him 25 years to get that one. Uh, and so if he's going to be the father of many nations, he's a little, seems like he's a little behind. And then he has Isaac, right? So Isaac grows up. Well, you know, Isaac had the same promise to him because he's part of the covenant of Abraham. And yet uh, nothing's going on, right? No, no father of many nations, you know, doesn't appear that, that, that there's anything going on, right? Uh, and so let's turn back to the book of Genesis chapter 24, and we'll see Isaac here. So it really, uh, it really took uh, took a few tries, a, f- a few generations for for it to kind of kick in there. And so, back to Genesis twenty four. So of course, uh, Isaac had, had found Rebecca, right? Uh, and um, in verse uh, sixty, it says, um, "I'm going to get back over there." It says, and they blessed uh, Rebekah and said unto, unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the, the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that was uh, uh, basically lining up with the promise that the Lord had given to Abraham uh, years before that. Uh, and so that promise was there. You know, they were just reiterating the covenant of, of Abraham uh, to Rebekah directly. And yet they still don't have any children, right? Uh, and so, and nothing happened until you get to the next chapter. Uh, and it says, um, starting in verse 19 of, of uh, Genesis chapter 25, it says, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. I, Abraham be, begat Isaac. 
and that's it. <laughs> Normally, it does all the children and the children, children, all that. But uh, that was it. As far as we get, right, went right there, right? Because they, they had no children. Isaac had no children. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Beth, Bethiel, the Syrian of uh, Pandar, uh, Pandaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So Abraham is called the father of faith, right? Uh, and so uh, if he's the father of faith, then uh, Isaac is the child of faith. And so Isaac uh, really has to pick up his game and continue in faith like Abraham did. Amen. Uh, and so until this point in time, they've been married now. We don't know how long they've been married in particular, uh, but they've been married for a, a period of time long enough to know that they're not having children. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there were no doctors. Doctors couldn't t uh, give you an exam and tell you whether or not you're barren back then, you know. Uh, and so uh, they had to figure that out, you know, naturally, right? And, and so, uh, and of course, just the, whole, the overall thing, there's, there was a, um, a general shame uh, for the women of Israel if they were unable to have children. So, uh, Nothing happened until Isaac entreated uh, to the Lord, right? He did the work of faith, right? He, he did the work of the Lord, which is to believe. The Lord, uh, you know, we have this promise that we're going to be the father of many nations. And then, of course, the prophecy was prophesied over to Rebecca that she would be the mother of thousands of millions. And here we are with no children, right? And that's the shortest uh, genealogy tree uh, probably in the, in the Bible, right? These are the generations of Isaac. Uh, there are none. I mean, Abraham was his father, and that's it. That's, that's, uh, that's as far as we go, right? And it's interesting in this case that it only goes back to Abraham. It doesn't go back into the lineage of Abraham. Other, other ones do. But from a standpoint of faith, that's where it began, right? It began with Abraham. So that's as far back as the Lord needed to go because that's the lineage of faith uh, was Abraham. So, uh, so what, if, if, uh, what if Isaac had not entreated the Lord for, for Rebekah? then there may not have been a Jacob and Esau. Then there may not have been a nation of Israel, right? Uh, I know the Lord's able to, to uh, uh, fix things when things can't be fixed, but uh, we don't know what would have happened, right? Uh, and so, uh, so Isaac was just, uh, to me, Isaac is a good example of uh, doing the works of God, which is to believe God, amen? And he picked that up from, uh, from his father, Abraham. So, uh, uh, that, that part was good, right? And, um, uh, you know, we know earlier on in the story of Lot, you know, Lot was, was Abraham's nephew, and uh, he stayed with Abraham, but he left Abraham. Uh, and it's amazing how people will leave their, their family of faith to go do, you know, whatever, and then you, you follow up with them, you know, years later, and, and uh, what did Lot end up with? He ended up with nothing, right? Uh, and um, even though he had to leave Abraham because their, their cattle, their uh, herds were too large to stay together, and instead of doing the wise thing, which is, well, we'll just sell them off, you know, we'll just give them away or whatever so I can stay with Abraham, Lot, uh, you know, he looked around and saw the green pastures of, of the world and went out into the world and lost everything. And then, but the Lord still had mercy on him, didn't he, right? Pulled him out of there. Uh, I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that it was Lot's wife that, that 
drug him out there because when they were leaving that, remember, what did she do? She looked back longingly to the place of sin that they left. And, of course, she was turned into a pillar of salt. Uh, and, and so um, it's just interesting to see, you know, uh, how fragile faith can be that, uh, you know, Lot was there the whole time with Abraham, succeeding, being blessed and prosperous, but then left and then lost everything. Uh, and then here you got Isaac, you know, basically faith is waiting upon Isaac to move, to do something, to believe God. Uh, and he did, right? And, and allowed the, the promise to Abraham. Because you think about how, you know, if Abraham had had, you know, 50 children, and, and actually later on after Sarah died, Abraham remarried and, and had more children. We don't know anything about them. Uh, but um, uh, because Isaac was, the, was really the, the seed of promise. But, um, you know, if, if Abraham had had 50 children, well, then there's a pretty good chance that this is going to continue on, right? But he had one child of faith. And, and you think about how precarious that, that promise is, right? Because if Isaac had gotten, you know, run over, you know, by a cow, or, I mean, he couldn't have got run over by a car, but he could have got run over by a cow or, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know what happened back then, you know, scary places probably, but, um, uh, it, you know, if anything had happened, right? Or if uh, he marries and then his wife is barren. So, I mean, this is the end of the line right here. I mean, there's a genealogy. This is the gene genealogy of Isaac, uh, Abraham. That's it, right? That would have been the whole uh, end of the discussion for the covenant of Abraham. Uh, but no, uh, Isaac uh, had faith, right? Uh, and so Rebekah was not going to conceive until uh, he operated in faith. Now, the Lord wasn't holding him back. It was just, you know, the, naturally speaking, for whatever reason, she was unable to have children. Uh, and uh, the Lord wasn't doing that to prove Isaac. Uh, it was just that way, right? Uh, nobody sinned, just like with the John chapter 9. There was no evidence that anybody was in sin here. Uh, it was just, you know, a part of life, right? Sometimes because we live in a fallen world, things don't operate exactly as they were originally designed to do. So we thank, we, we're thankful that Isaac chose to have faith, amen? Because if he didn't have faith, you know, we, we all may be stuck, right? So now we can go back to uh, Luke chapter 6 here. So it, do, it does seem as in many cases that when it gets to uh, the area of faith that, um, of course, we know that faith is, uh, is spoken, right? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Uh, but there's also another aspect of faith. And sometimes this can be a little, a little difficult to, to discern because um, it, it kind of leans towards what we like doing anyway. But there, there is an aspect of faith that requires action before the, the manifestation of that faith is, is achieved, right? So just like with, uh, um, with Abraham, he had to go and take Isaac to the mountain and, and tie him down, right, uh, there on, on the altar before the, the Lord could release the ram to, uh, uh, to show him that he doesn't actually have to sacrifice his son, but the whole thing was a type and a shadow of the Lord uh, sending uh, Jesus to the earth. Uh, but Abraham still had to go, didn't he? He still had to go and do that work. He still had to go and, and do those things. And just like uh, uh, where the 10 lepers were sent, Jesus said, go, right? Go and show yourself to the priests. And it says, as they went. Uh, so could, did, were there other times when Jesus healed the leper? Well, there was, right? Uh, where he just, uh, you know, if thou will, thou canst make me whole. Uh, and, and Jesus said, I will be thou cleansed, right? And, and, and they were healed immediately. But in this case, he sent the lepers 
to go show themselves to the priest. And, uh, and as they went, they got healed. So if they hadn't gone, if they could, you know, it's, you know, it's a waste of time, you know, because if they had actually known the, the, uh, the, the, the law, uh, back in Leviticus 14, the, the, there's a whole chapter on the, the law of the leper and what they're supposed to do. In the day of their cleansing, they're supposed to go, and after they get cleansed, go show themselves to the priest to get a basic certificate that said, I'm clean, I'm allowed to enter back into, the, into society. That was the whole point of it. And so if they had known that in the detail that it was written, they would have said, well, we're not supposed to go and show until we're clean, right? And maybe they did know that. I don't know. If they were really, you know, had a certain amount of faith, uh, you know, they would have gone anyway. But they could have said, well, I'm not clean, so it's, it's a waste of time to go. And so would they have been healed if they had not gone? No, because Jesus said, go show yourself to, uh, to the priest, right? Uh, and so, so there, there are sometimes, and so you have to find in your own heart, Lord, is there anything that, that I need to do, right? Uh, Lord, is there anything that I do? To, not, you're not earning it, but sometimes the Lord, for whatever reason, says these are the steps in order to receive the manifestation of faith. But whatever, but if there is anything the Lord tells you to do, you got to make sure that you do it in, in faith, right? Because uh, and and the other thing is the Lord's not going to have you do anything dangerous, you know, uh, and foolish uh, as far as you know you could cost your life if you do that. Not unlike what the devil wanted Jesus to do, right? Throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple there and um, and, and let the angels catch you. Uh, there's no examples of that in the word of god where somebody puts their life in danger that i know of right and if you know of one let me know but uh, uh they were all things that anybody could do and no harm would come if they did them right uh, and so um so here we are then in luke chapter six here uh and uh, we're gonna go back one page there and so he says uh in verse in verse six and it says and it came uh, to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered uh, or drawn up. Uh, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. Which I always think that, you know, verse 7, you think about how many devils you have to be uh, listening to to get mad that somebody's going to do a miracle, right? I'm planning on getting mad if you do a miracle, Right. Now, that's messed up, right? Uh, I mean, how messed up is that? Uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's like, to me, that's right up there, right? That's like PhD level of stupidity. Uh, uh, you know, you've got to have a degree to be this stupid. And they were. They were the scribes and the Pharisees, right? So you really had to be uh, pretty educated to be that dumb. And yet, uh, and they were, though, right? They were they're watching him, right? And, and now, is there any law in the Old Testament that says, thou shalt not heal on the Sabbath? I mean, you know, they knew the, the general law of the Sabbath was to keep it holy, right? Don't work. But, I mean, is there any work, actual work that's done in healing? I mean, you know, but basically they had become so religious that anything that's not these three things that are already listed is considered work and it's sin, right? And so they had basically constrained their whole lives that we can only do these three things on the Sabbath. And they didn't keep it, though. You know, they, they, you know, they were terrible about keeping the Sabbath and uh, violated it all. In fact, Jesus other times said, don't you take your ox out of the ditch on a Sabbath? Well, yeah, yeah. well you're violating a Sabbath, right? So they violated Sabbath all the time. Uh, but when they were super religious, you know, then, then said, well, don't talk about me violating it. We're looking at, we're talking about you, Jesus, whether you're going to violate the Sabbath or not. Uh, and so, of course, uh, what's amazing is anytime you get around religious people, super legalistic people, they're the worst ones about keeping their own law, right? Uh, oh, yeah, you can't do that. Well, don't you do that? Well, yeah. I do, but you know, but you shouldn't do it, you know, 
uh, and we're going to judge you for doing it. So uh, it's, uh, it's always that way. It's always been that way. Always will be that way until the Lord Jesus comes back. Uh, but it says in verse 8, But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had, which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he, and he rose and stood forth. So uh, here, uh, you know, the Lord asked him to do something, right? What if he said, I'm uncomfortable with doing that. I don't like being seen. I don't like, I don't like standing up in the midst of people. Would he have received his healing? Well, probably not, unless the Lord had chose to, to have mercy upon him. Uh, but it's interesting here in the, in the progression of faith that, that we see, because then it said in verse 9, then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And, and of course, you know, what did they say? Well, they didn't say anything, right? Uh, and I think in other, other uh, versions of this, it talks about uh, the hardness of their heart. And looking around about them, uh, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Uh, and so, uh, so this man, there was a progression, right? So the first thing was stand in faith, stand up, right? So there, were, there was no hindrance. You know, as far as we know, he wasn't uh, uh, confined to a chair that he couldn't stand. Uh, so the Lord asked him to do something that he was able to do. And he did that. So, so he's, he's helping the man progress in faith. And then the Lord asked him to do something that he couldn't do. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then he was able to do that. So stretching forth his hand, I mean, it's, if it's withered or, you know, the translation says it's, it was drawn up, right? So, you know, you've seen people where they've got, you know, for arthritis or something, their hands are all drawn up, right? And so, this, hey, extend your hand to me. Well, that's the very thing they can't do, right? Uh, and so the Lord asked him to do something that was beyond his ability to do. To do. Uh, and uh, the Lord helped him get in that faith, right? The Lord helped him go from doing something he could do by faith to something he couldn't do both by faith, and he was, and he was able to do that, right? Uh, and so then, of course, in verse 11, it says, And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus, uh, which, you know, uh, you know, this was a miracle, right? You know, a miracle just occurred. Yeah, but I'm so mad I can't understand it, you know. Uh, and the whole, of course, all of the stories in the in the scriptures, as it relates to the Pharisees and the and all the doctors of the law, it's always that way, right? They get so mad uh, because they all make Jesus making them all look bad, right? They were used to being the important people and everybody looking up to them, and and Jesus said, "Is it lawful to do good or to do evil?" Well, that's not the question. You know, the question is we wanted to find the question of whether or not it's okay to heal, right? And of course. I don't know of anybody that's like this today, where they're that legalistic that, you know, you can't heal somebody like that, you know. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes the world will get crossways with the church. And, and um, uh, there was a fellow by the name of John Alexander Dowie, who, who was a great minister of healing back around uh, 1900s or so. And um, he was from Australia and gotten uh, really connected with the faith of God through the black plague that was that was sweeping through Australia, people just dying uh, uh, like crazy. Uh, and uh, you know, someone said, uh, "Isn't it uh, uh, isn't it terrible about the work of God about how God is killing all these people?" And he got so angry and said, "This is not the work of God." And he didn't know how to get people healed, but he knew that that wasn't the work of God, and yet people would say that, right? Uh, and so, and sometimes you know, uh, it, it's not about you. Uh, it's not about you uh, doing things, doing healing, but sometimes because you believe in healing, you know, the, you can 
people around you can still be filled with madness because they lost somebody to sickness and disease and they'll get so mad because you believe in healing. You ever come across people like that? They get so mad. And, and I don't know anybody personally, but I've seen, you know, read stories of, of ministers that, that, uh, uh, that, that get really mad. In fact, uh, uh, back when we were watching um, uh, TV, a t- TV show that uh, this fellow had gone to Bible school with this other pastor. And, and now uh, this pastor is just speaking against all things of faith, right? All those people believe in faith, they're, they're of the devil, you know, and, uh, and, and then you pull the curtains back and you find out, well, what's the, you know, they were in the same Bible school together, which is Bible school of faith, right? Learned the same things about healing and prayer and those types of things. And now uh, one, of them, one of them is against the move of faith. And, and it turns out that they had lost, I think it was a daughter, right? That they had lost a daughter uh, to sickness and disease, right? And you know that they'd asked the Lord to heal that daughter. Uh, almost guaranteed, right, that they asked the Lord to heal the daughter and the daughter wasn't healed. Now, well, what's, what's the answer to that question? Why did she not get healed? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. The Lord knows the answer to that question. It could be a thousand reasons why. It's got nothing to do with his desire, though. His desire was to heal that child. Uh, and if you'll believe that, you know, but, but see, some people uh, get all bent out of shape. And so now they're an enemy of faith, right? Enemy of the faith of healing, uh, uh, for sure. And they would be filled with madness if he said God heals. Mm. Well, he sure doesn't. You know, I lost, you know, this person, this person, that person, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, the problem with that mentality is now they are defining the word of God by their experience, right? Uh, you, you always get yourself in trouble by defining the word of God by your experience. You know, well, you're, well, my experience, you know, God doesn't answer prayers like that. Well, that's fine. But last time I checked, you didn't write the word, right? Uh, and so we should always strive to uh, live to the fullness that the word shows us that we can. And even if we don't make it, uh, you know, we should just uh, either ask the Lord, why didn't we make it? Why didn't we live at the fullness of what you, what you promised us? Or sometimes he'll show us or just sometimes like, well, so I messed up somewhere. I don't know where, but I'm going to keep on keeping on. Right. Uh, and that's really the right attitude to have, because, you know, in reality, there are probably some times where you're praying and believing God for something and you don't get it. And, and, uh, again, it's not anything on the Lord's side. That's where you've got to get settled in your heart. That is never the Lord withholding because, you know, he's trying to prove you, trying to, you know, mess with you, or uh, there's something, something that you miss somewhere, right? Uh, and, um, and I believe if you ask the Lord, he'll show you where that is, right? Uh, and so, so they did this work, and, um, uh, and they got mad, right? Did the work of God, and they still got mad. Uh, which which is uh, which is really amazing, right? Uh, and so, um, now, when you know when the Lord, uh, if you go through, and we're not going to go through all, all the scriptures of it because we could spend a lot of time doing that. But we know the general principle of uh, of uh, as being children of God that we have received the inheritance from heaven, right? And that the Bible talks about how that, that how that when one dies, then that's when you get the inheritance, right? That's pretty common law. I mean, that's what law that they were talking about even in the, when they wrote the scriptures that when when someone dies that uh, the inheritance then is transferred to the children and that because uh, that uh, Jesus has died uh, now we have the inheritance right so now the inheritance belongs to us because we're children of God are we all children of God all of us are children of God right and so that means we have the inheritance well what did Jesus leave us well what did he have he kind of had everything right so if he if he had everything and he left it to us then what do we have well, then we have everything, right? I mean, that's not, 
you know, that's not even rocket science. That's pretty kind of simple common law that everybody knows, right? And, of course, everybody's hoping that we have a, a great rich uncle that dies and leaves us everything, right? That uh, all the cousins, if they were, you know, that they didn't have any cousins from that uncle. Uh, and um, because we want it transferred because we don't get it while they're alive. But, you know, uh, it's, you know, when they, when they at, at the funeral home looking at the casket and, they're, you know, well, well, how much do you reckon he left? What's the answer? Everything, right? You know, that's the answer, right? Uh, and so, so if we have the inheritance, then, uh, you know, see, because a lot of times in faith, we're thinking, well, I'm going to ask the Lord and he's going to give me this thing. And, and, you know, that's fine. But, you know, from a technical standpoint, you're not really asking the Lord to give you something uh, at that point. You're, you're really asking the Lord to receive what's already been given to you, right? So by his stripes, we were what? Healed. So we're not, technically, we don't really need to ask the Lord to heal us because he's already paid for the healing, really. So really, you know, if you want to be technically correct, it's, Lord, I need to receive my healing that already belongs to me, right? It was paid for at the cross. It belongs to me. It's got my name on it. I need to make a withdrawal from my account. Uh, and, and that's, you know, technically, that's kind of what needs to be our mentality in that, right? And, and you know, the Lord's not going to split hairs if you, if you pray a certain way, uh, but it, it helps us from a standpoint of understanding how all of this works, that our blessings come about because we're receiving, not we're asking to be given, right? So it's already was given at the cross and consummated by the death of Jesus as now becomes part of our inheritance. So now we're in the receiving mode, but the receiving still has to be done by faith, right? We have to do our work, right? Our work is to believe God that we can receive that. And so in the times that we need to draw upon those promises that were given to us, then we need to have faith to go to our account and say, Lord, you, you paid for healing for me. I need to make a, a withdrawal from, from that healing that was paid for me already. That's part of my inheritance. I need, I need to, uh, and here's, here's my little withdrawal ticket uh, for healing for this thing, right? Uh, and, and that's really, if we can kind of, change our mentality to think like that, that would help us, right? Because that help, helps us understand that we're not really trying to convince God to do something for us. A lot of Christians think, well, if I can just convince God to, to bless me with this thing, I'll be good. Uh, and there's no convincing. The Lord's like, it's already yours. It's not, I'm not, you know, I'm not waiting on, on requests and just handing out answers to requests, you know, just left and right. Everything I've done has been given to you. So now you're really in the receiving mode. So uh, is the Lord Jesus going to go back to um, going to go back to the cross? Um, he's not going to go back to the cross and, and re-die again, right? So everything, um, everything that was given to us has already been given to us, right? So it's our responsibility then to, to believe God uh, and to do our part. And that, that's why I, I think some people have a, have a struggle because they think, well, if, if God wants me to have it, he would give it to me. Uh, and what they don't appreciate in, in that statement is he's already given it to you. So there's no need to go in and, um, uh, and ask him really for something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so let, let's see. She's got a, a couple more verses here. Let's look at uh, Psalm 19, right? Um, So I think that the point in, in this particular uh, section of her book is that there are things that we need to do um, to in order to receive uh, the end of our faith. Right. Um, uh, and so 
she said here in Psalm 19, of course, we know this, this verse is a common verse, right? Um, uh, it says in verse 14, Psalm 19, 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, acceptable uh, in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer. Uh, and so she's talking about how we need to guard our thought life uh, so that we're not found to be in opposition to God, right? Uh, you know, the, these uh, people in Luke chapter 6 were found to be in opposition to the Lord uh, in wanting to heal. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so we, we need to make sure that we're never found to be in, in opposition with God. But a lot of times, uh, he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Uh, just think about, uh, you know, uh, would it be helpful for you to submit everything that you're planning to say to the Lord and find out if what you're fixing to say is acceptable, right? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Well, Lord, I'm planning on saying this, you know, this ugly thing to this person over here. Uh, are you okay with that, right? Uh, Lord, I'm fixing to cuss the wallpaper off the wall over here. Uh, it, uh, is that okay? Are you, is that acceptable, right, to you, Lord? Uh, people say, well, it don't matter. Well, then submit it to the Lord. Isn't that what it says, right? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. What do you think about all day? Well, I just can't, I can't stand that person over there, you know. I remember way back in high school, I remember it started being a common thing where some of the, some of the girls would, you know, someone would come and wear a new dress or something or, you know, and, and uh, one of the other girls would say, I hate you. And they were kind of saying it jokingly, right? But I'm thinking, why would you say that, right? Uh, let them, uh, because, uh, you know, there are times when people are jealous when you show up with something, right? You ever, you ever showed up with a new toy or whatever and somebody gets jealous because you've got that? Uh, well, well, what have they been thinking about? I can't believe they got that. You know, look at them. Who do they think they are, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in, in thy sight. So you know, basically she's warning us, let's make sure that we're not like the Pharisees and the scribes there in Luke chapter 6 getting mad because God is blessing somebody uh, because that's not the work of faith, right? Uh, and so, uh, so she said that faith always does uh, what it can, but it never stops there. It goes further and does what it can't do. Uh, and so that, that was a, a good progression of the man. You know, faith, uh, he, was, he did do the thing he was able to do, which is stand up right in, in their midst, right? But then faith doesn't stop there. It'll progress into areas that you can't do, right? You can't uh, obtain healing uh, by yourself. You have to have faith through that. So, um, so sometimes, you know, uh, the Lord will ask you to do, do the impossible. Now, if you look at all the examples of healing, that was fairly rare, right? When he told the lepers to go and show themselves to the priest, that was something they could do, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it, was, uh, uh, it wasn't often that he did that. So, you know, again, we don't make a law that, well, we've got to make sure that whatever, whatever sickness you've got, you've got to make sure you've got to do something that you couldn't do before. Uh, and sometimes we get in a rut like that where we've got to prove, you know, kind of prove something. But that, was, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the law, right? It didn't happen like that every single time, but sometimes it does happen, right? So sometimes you have to be led in your own heart. Well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he may say, well, get up, right? Uh, and and um, I remember the story with, uh, with Brother Hagen when he was on his deathbed. And he finally, he, he, I mean, it took him months and months and months, you know, uh, to, to get the answer about uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24, right? About whosoever say to the mountain, but then uh, verse 24 says, that for, for whatsoever things uh, uh, you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Uh, 
Uh, and so, he, but see, he read that and read that and read that, but the way he read it was, uh, whatsoever things you desire, receive them, and you'll believe that you have them. But that's not what it says, right? It says, what things you desire, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. And the Lord had to say, you know, you do believe as far as you know. Go read that verse again, right? And somewhere along the way, it finally clicked. Somewhere along the way, he finally said, Lord, then, then if this is so, then I'm getting up off this deathbed. And the Lord spoke to him and said, well, get up then. He said, a well person ought to be up at 1030 in the morning. And that's what the Lord said. Uh, and, and, and for him, told him to do something that was impossible because he was paralyzed, you know, uh, from the waist down. Uh, and if you listen to a story, you know, he talked about how he, you know, he just had to uh, use his hands to pull his uh, legs over on the side of the bed. And he said his feet hit the floor like chunks of wood. You know, there's no life in them. And apparently they had a four-poster bed that was, he was sleeping in. Uh, and he grabbed a hold of that. He had some upper body strength, but no, you know, he's paralyzed from the waist down. So he grabbed a hold of that uh, corner post of the bed and pulled himself up. And he's standing there. His legs are still dead, you know, but he's, he, you know, so he's not standing there. He's hanging on there as best he can, right? Uh, and he just started confessing, Lord, I, I want you to know uh, before uh, the Lord, all the angels and all the devils in hell that I'm the healed of God. Uh, and he said when he, when he did that, then he, he felt, you know, this, like a warm honey come on him. And, and he said uh, it felt like 10,000 needles were, were uh, jabbing him in his legs. And he said it, it hurt so bad it felt good because he hadn't felt any, hadn't had any sense of feeling in his legs for, for months and months. Uh, and so for his story, he had to do something that was impossible, right? He had to do something that, uh, to get out of bed, right? Uh, and uh, uh, to the very best of his ability, right? So he had to stand up right in the, in the midst there. Uh, and so, uh, so just know that, you know, sometimes the Lord will ask you to do something that's impossible, right? Not unsafe, though, right? If it's not going to go run across the highway, it'll be okay, right? Uh, that's probably not the Lord. There's been a lot of people smushed on the highway because they thought the Lord told them to run across the highway, right? Uh, no, the Lord's not going to ask you to do something foolish like that. But he may ask you to stand up on, right in the midst and to extend your hand, right? I don't know lots of times people, you know, will pull, you know, have somebody in a wheelchair, and they'll, they'll pick them up, you know, stand, stand up right out of the chair. Uh, and I've heard lots of stories where, you know, the, some people will say, well, I can't do that. And they'll stay in the chair, right, all the days of their life. Instead of giving it a, you know, at least trying, right? Uh, you've got to try uh, and say, well, if they said to get out of the chair, then I must be able to, right? Even though, if you, even though you, you know from one standpoint that you're not able to. But I have also have seen many times where the minister kind of gets in that same boat where they, they, they um, uh, feel like they've got to have some, some theater, right? Uh, and, and jerk somebody out of a wheelchair. Now they're, they're a crippled person without a wheelchair, uh, and, you know, that's one thing I appreciate about the wisdom of Brother Hagen, because he said, you know, I've had lots of people in wheelchairs. He said very rarely, you know, there were times when the Lord said, speak to them uh, and and uh, they'll get up out of the wheelchair. He said, but most of the time I just lay hands on them and just go on, you know. And so it's not every time. In fact, it was rare that Brother Hagen would actually pull somebody up out of a wheelchair. But then other ministers saw him one time do that and think, well, I need to jerk everybody up out of the wheelchair. And again, unless the Lord tells you to have them do something that's impossible, then you just do what you always do, right? Which is to operate by faith and, and, and the power of God. Amen. So we can learn from that. And uh, so what we should learn is that there may come a time when the Lord asks us to do something that's not possible, right? 
Uh, and uh, if that's the case, then go ahead and do it and you'll be okay, right? Uh, but then uh, many other times, uh, he'll just ask you to do something that's fine. Stand up right in the midst of me or go show yourself to the priest or, you know, just let me lay hands on you or let me speak the word only, you know. So, so you look at the, all of a spectrum of healing, it's not, it's not common, right? Uh, but it does happen. So, so, we, so that's, the, that's the work of faith, right? That's, the, that's our work is to believe God. If he says to stand upright in the midst of him, then we believe, yes, sir, we'll do that. If he says stretch forth your hand, then yes, sir, we'll do that. And as he attempted to do that is when he received his healing, right? So uh, clearly, if, if uh, the Lord hadn't told him to do that, he could have tried to do that all day long and nothing would have happened, right? So it wasn't that he was secretly healed and didn't know it. It was that uh, when he attempted to do the impossible, that uh, the manifestation of his faith came, uh, came about, right? Because he apparently had heard of Jesus and believed that, uh, that whatever he said to do was worth doing, amen? Uh, and so, and that, that was the whole story of uh, the man with the withered hand, right? Uh, and so, uh, I think there's a few questions here uh, that, um, uh, for this chapter here. And I was looking at the next chapter. There's only one question on that one there. So, uh, and we'll get through this book pretty quick, right? Um, because it's, she's just going through some of the examples of healing. So, uh, question number one is, what is the work of God? That we believe, right? Uh, and so that makes it pretty easy, right? People think the work of God is doing this or doing that. No, it's just believing God, right? Uh, Isaac uh, had to take the blessing of children by what? By faith, right? So, uh, you know, if, if Isaac had just uh, been able to have a bunch of children, naturally speaking, you know, sometimes uh, it doesn't have to be that way, right? I mean, uh, in the sense that... Um, just because it's good with you doesn't mean you're not in faith, right? Uh, but if he'd had uh, a bunch of children naturally and was able to have a bunch of children without faith, would he have remained in faith? You know, we don't know the answer to that question, right? So, so we do know that he was able to get in faith because he needed children. And so, you know, sometimes people that have gone through difficult things thinks that everybody else has to go through difficult things before they can have faith. Well, that's not really true, Right. Because uh, did Jesus go through any sickness or disease or death, uh, near-death experiences or, um, you know, poverty or lack? Was he homeless or anything like that growing up? No, he had a mother and a father. Just, you know, um, we don't know when Joseph left the scene, but, um, you know, we know up to at least 12 years old that he had a mother and a father. So, um, so it's not necessary for you to go through trials and tribulations in order to obtain faith. Uh, but uh, it is it is. It is nice to, uh, to uh, use your faith in exercising to get through some situations. And it's helpful to, to uh, learn how that works. And it's helpful to have the opportunity to, to uh, use that faith, right? Uh, and so um, just be careful that uh, whatever life experiences you have, that you don't project that on other people, that they can't be as spiritual as you are unless they go through the same trials and tribulations because... I've had ministers say that unless you eat oranges for the first year of your ministry, you know, you can't be spiritual or unless you're poor, you know, for the first few years of your ministry, you can't be spiritual uh, and just things like that, because that's what they experienced. Right. Uh, and even Brother Hagen, you know, when he went out on the uh, on the field ministry, he said for the first year he was he was just broke. Right. At the end of the year, he had nothing to show for 
a year in the ministry and and um, his he said his his children were were uh, uh, poorly fed and poorly clothed and his wife uh, didn't have she just had one dress and he just had one suit uh, after a year of traveling in the ministry uh, and um, if you listen to read a story he he tells you that the reason for that wasn't that the lord was trying to keep him humble it was because he was ignorant of the blessings of the lord right uh, and that uh, uh, once he got into faith then he didn't have to deal with that but he said uh, he said he started out as a pastor in the baptist church he said uh, lord you keep him humble we keep him we'll keep him poor uh, and he said when they went over to the pentecostal church he said they doubled up on it uh, lord you keep him humble we'll keep him double poor uh, and they, cause they, they talk about how they'd have received an offering and be pennies, right? On a Sunday morning, right? He'd get a few pennies from the whole church, right? Uh, and, and um, uh, of course I know that was back in when, when even a few pennies were still pretty good, right? But still, um, uh, there were times when, when, um, he'd have to believe God for everything. Amen. Uh, and so, so Abraham or Isaac took the blessing of children by faith. Uh, question number three is how often is there spiritual opposition to the move of God? Always, Always opposition to the, to the move of God. Who's who's got the most to gain by shutting down the move of God? The devil, the devil does. Right. So anytime there's a move of God, who hates it the most? The devil does. Right. And so uh, what do you think he's going to do to stop that? Anything he can. Right. Uh, he'll he'll make up lies, you know, and. And, um, you know, we don't we don't get a lot of opposition like that around here. But on occasion, we get crazy things where they say, well, you know, I don't go to church there because the pastor smokes. You know, uh, someone person, one person did that. Right. They said, I smoke. And, and uh, you ever smell smelled cigarette smoke on me? I mean, uh, and um, uh, I mean, uh, maybe I'm a closet smoker because, you know, my wife would surely know that I was a smoker. Right. Uh, and uh, it'd be hard to hide that at 32 years. Right. Uh, but um so on occasion, you get silly things like that, you know, but, um, uh, you know, you, you start getting a few people raised from the dead, there'll be a lot of opposition, right? Uh, but it, but it is, it is uh, pretty common that the more faith that you operate in, the more opposition there is to your life, right? Uh, you know, how many people don't like you because you're a person of faith, right? How many people think that you're, you know, you're almost an cult because you believe in faith? Uh, and um, to me, it's kind of odd that, uh, you know, you mean you don't, right? In fact, I was uh, uh, watching one of those shows uh, uh, this uh, out of their professor or whatever in theology, but they were uh, on occasion. I'll watch the, the videos and they're they're you know, got some good information. But uh, they had one that said, why? Why is the charismatic doctrine completely wrong? And it kind of piques my interest because I think, well, that'd be really hard to, to prove that the charismatic doctrine is completely wrong. Right. Because it's everywhere in the Bible. Uh, and they said, well, speaking in tongues was only for the Jews. You know, of course, uh, you know, this is like a Ph.D. level of stupidity. He's like a doctor, you know, of some kind, a doctor of stupidity, I guess. But, uh, uh, you know, immediately I'm thinking, well, what about the vision with Peter and John or Acts chapter 10? You know, uh, that whole point of that vision is that it wasn't just for the Jews, right? The whole point of that vision, it was for the whole world. And then immediately, where does he go in, John, in Acts chapter 10? Whose house does he go to? He goes to Cornelius' house, right? Was Cornelius a Jew or a Gentile? He was a Gentile, and, and it said, uh, and of course at the end of it, he says, uh, so God has also um, given the promise of the Spirit to the Gentiles. I mean, that's the whole point of the story is to prove and show that the promise of the Spirit was for the Gentiles. And what did they do? It said they spoke with other tongues, right? Uh, 
uh, I mean, how could you ignore, you know, you got that story, you got the story with, with, at the church at Ephesus, you got First uh, Corinthians, which was not a Jewish church, it was a, uh, a Gentile church. Yeah, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all, right? Uh, and so they were speaking in tongues, right, in the Gentile church. Uh, but, I mean, they just get up and just say that, right? No, of course, no Bible verse for it, right? You know, they, you never can have a Bible verse for stupidity, right? Uh, maybe second hesitations, I don't know. But, um, but there, is, there is always spiritual opposition to the move of God. And what you'll find is the more that you choose to walk by faith, the, the more, the stronger your opposition will be. Now, some people will love it, right? You'll get around people and they'll love that. But then what you'll find is uh, you'll have people that really, really love it and you'll have people that are really, really angry about it. Uh, and if you do, if you're just kind of a milk toast Christian and you just, you know, well, we're all getting by the best we can, you know, nobody's going to be concerned about that. But if you say, no, God heals every single time without exception. How dare you say that? Well, I didn't say that. Jehovah Rapha is the one who said it, right? The God who heals is the one who said, I am your healer. Uh, I didn't write that. So, uh, but you'll find that the opposition is stronger and more vocal uh, the, the more in faith that you choose to walk. Uh, and so uh, the last question is, faith always does not, uh, uh, does not only what it, what? It's really poorly worded there, isn't it? Uh, faith always does, not only does what it can do, but also what it can't do, right? So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I may have to revise that question. It's kind of an awkwardly worded question, right? Is it the way it's worded? Yeah, okay. Um, uh, and so faith always does not only what it can do, but also what it can't do, right? Uh, so, and again, uh, be careful about turning that into a law, right? Mm-hmm. That I've always got to jump over a bridge or do something uh, in order to prove that I'm in faith, right? Be careful about that because that was, that was not the rule that was on a, It happened one time that we know of, right? And maybe, oh, well, we at least a couple of times, but... Um, uh, but even in, in that, so sometimes faith was, some action was required, but not, sometimes the action was something they could do, like the, like the lepers there in Luke 13, right? But sometimes the action was something they couldn't do, which was like the man with a withered hand. Uh, so not a blanket statement, not a blanket law, rule, or regulation about that. It's just, it just uh, uh, but it, it is something we can add to our faith, right? That sometimes the Lord may ask us to do something that's beyond our ability, and so be willing to, to try, right? Be willing to do that. Uh, and, and so, and when I say try, I don't mean, well, I'll, let's try and see what happens, you know. Try it in, in a sense of, well, Lord, you said do it, so let's do it. Now, that's the, that's the part that uh, we should have uh, ready faith to operate in, amen? Uh, and so we'll finish up there. We're actually done a few minutes early, but uh, we'll pick up. Uh, the next chapter is there about the, uh, the man who's born by four there in Luke chapter five. And so that's always a good um, uh, that's always a good uh, uh, story to study there, amen. Uh, and so, but I do, you know, I do like the the, the breakdown of that. And I do. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to talk about how uh, faith may require some action, right? And faith may require an action that you're unable to do. Uh, and uh, if the man had said, "Well, I can't stretch forth my hand; it's withered," then what his focus would have been on the natural realm, amen. Uh, and so will the Lord ever ask you to do something that's impossible? Well, clearly he asked this man to do something that was impossible, right? So uh, sometimes uh, the, uh, people outside of the faith movement will say, look at them, they're just, you know, pl- 
playing games, you know, obviously they can't do it. You know, how dare they ask that person to do something that's impossible? We're just following the example of Jesus, right? So, yeah, sorry you'll have to take up with, up with Jesus. You know, he, he was our first example of someone who did that, right? Well, you're not Jesus. Well, last time I checked, he lives on the inside of me, right? He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. So, um, you know, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of unbelief and, and uh, foolishness out there whose goal is to keep you from doing anything that's beyond your natural ability. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for blessing us and being good to us each and every day. And, Father, we thank you we can and have the right and the privilege to live in divine health. We choose to do so, Father. Uh, we will not suffer under sickness and disease, Father, aches and pains. We'll speak to them every day, Father. We thank you that we are the healed of God. And you said, Father, that you renew our, our strength like the eagle. Uh, renew our youth like the eagle, Father. Uh, and so, uh, Father, just as the eagle is renewed, we can be renewed day by day, Father. Uh, and so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Yeah. He's good. Amen. Uh, now, you know, I have, like I said, I have seen plenty of times where people will try to jerk someone up out of a wheelchair and, and uh, do things and um, and, you know, there's so much pressure in the church to to prove or to be theatrical, right, to to hope that something big happens so that we can draw a big crowd that, uh, you know, it's displeasing to the Lord. Amen. Uh, we, we should be happy with praying for a wheelchair, a thousand wheelchairs before we we jerk somebody up out of one of them. Right. Uh, and um, uh, and so don't get under pressure about, well, Lord, you know, uh, uh, I've got to do that. I've got to jerk them up out of this wheelchair, right? Jerk them up out of the bed. Now, of course, we know Smith Wigglesworth would pick up dead bodies and throw them against the wall, right? But, you know, he didn't start, you know, when he was nine years old, you know, going to the funeral home, you know, a nine-year-old throwing up dead. No, he didn't start that way, right? It happened later. And he didn't do that to every single uh, person either, right? He didn't uh, empty out all the funeral homes. And, but on occasion, he did that, right? Uh, and, um, and so Smith was definitely an interesting person, right? Uh, and so let's uh, get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Amen. Uh, and so, yeah, so this is a starting our eighth year, right? Uh, we finished our seventh year of, of healing school. Uh, and so we're starting our eighth year of healing school. So by now, if you haven't graduated, you know, I mean, what's the deal, right? So I mean, we should all have PhDs in healing now, right? So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, uh, and I remember I, uh, I went to high school with a fellow. He was like two or three years ahead of me in high school. And I caught up to him at college. And passed him in college. I went through all this. We went to the same college, but I went through the college, got done in four years. And he, I think he was on the eight-year program, you know, seven or eight years, you know. So I caught up to him, passed him, and graduated. And, and he, eventually he did graduate, I think. Uh, but, um, but that's all right, amen. Uh, lifetime of learning, uh, uh, amen. So is the Lord our healer? Yeah. Is he always our healer? Yeah. Always our healer, amen. Uh, we'll be blessed and have a wonderful week in the Lord. We'll see you next Sunday.